Welcome to the Pastor Nora King Podcast. We're confident that the message you're about to hear will enhance and empower your life in God. Now, here's Pastor Nora. We're talking uh, from the book Christ the Healer by F.F. Bosworth. This was a great man of God that understood healing from a perspective that not a lot of people understand. And that is for sure. But he has such insight. Now tonight, we're looking at chapter number four. So if you want to turn there, page 70, chapter number four. And um, we're going to begin talking about the Lord's compassion. Now I think it's real interesting to think about this. You know, you think about healing and what's the first uh, spiritual word that you might think about? What, what comes to me is faith. And is faith important when it comes to healing? Of course it is. Because you can't receive anything from the Lord unless you have faith. God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. And He's a rewarder of those that walk by faith and talk by faith. Whatever you want to say there. But, but faith is important, but here he's talking about something that is very important, and that we understand the compassion of God. And because God is compassionate, he does things for his children. And I know that you can understand this. If you think about your own life and you are a parent, you understand you're compassionate and you're caring for your children. And because of that, you will do anything you can to help them. Isn't that right? Well, how much more is the heavenly father like that than an earthly parent? And so if we understand the Lord's compassion moves him to healing and healing miracles. Amen? Amen. Now let's look on page 70. And it says the first thing here, the first scripture out of Psalms 145, 8 and 9. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. Now, it's really interesting if you look at that, because if you're like me, before in my earlier um, walk with the Lord, when I was just born again, growing and maturing in the Lord, you know, I did not understand that the Lord was gracious. I didn't understand that He was slow to anger. I thought actually that God was mad at me, if you want to know the truth. And I thought one little time of getting out of order, and He gets the bad of heaven and whacks you a good one. Now, how many of you can relate to that? You know, did anybody say that to me exactly? No, they didn't tell me that in so many words, but it's the way God is portrayed and what people say and their actions, even though they don't come out and say, God is going to get you. He's an austere God and His judgment is going to be upon you. See, but we, we think these things, and because we do, it moves us away from understanding that God is a compassionate God and that He wants to heal your body when sickness and disease attacks you. Amen. You see, we are the healed of the Lord. By Jesus' stripes, 1 Peter 2.24, we were, 2.23, we were healed. By Jesus' stripes, we were. 
And so that's the stand that we're to take. But you see, the enemy wants to knock us off of that stand. Build your house upon the rock. So when the winds and the waves of this life beat upon your house, it will not fall. So make your stand upon the foundation of the Word of God. And see, that's where we have to draw uh, our conclusions, and that's where we have to draw the picture of God. See, what this is doing here, uh, this scripture that I just read you, is a description of the nature of God. And see, all the time I thought God was out to get me. I thought if I got out of line that it was going to be really a bad thing from God to me. But see, all the time, his compassion, his graciousness, his tender mercy is moving me back to him, not, not wanting me to go away. Now, we understand that sin does separate, so I'm not going to say that, you know, you can sin and stay close to God. But God is not out there to cut us off. He wants us to draw into him. He said, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. And so here we're getting a picture in Psalms 145 of the nature of God, that God is a gracious God. What does that word gracious mean? It means kindness. It means to favor, to bestow, to give or grant or have pity. It means He is disposed to show favors to you, just like you want to show favor to your children. But see, it does, it's not just one favor, it's favors. Disposed to show favors. Well, I remember one time and God healed me. Well, just hold on because He wants to heal you again. Because He's disposed to show you favors. If, you, if you're having a tough time financially and you're a tither and you're a giver, you stand on the firm foundation of God's Word. And I can tell you this, it may look bad now, but you just hold on, things are about to change because God is disposed to show you favors. And you see, I'm not just preaching in here tonight to give the hoorahs and just have a good time, even though I like to do that, don't you? I don't think preaching the Word and speaking the Word of God has to be boring by any, you know, any amount of... We, we get excited about God's Word. Amen? And so I'm preaching the truths to you tonight. I remember when I started hearing these things about how God loved me, His compassion, His graciousness. I, I know when I began to hear that, I just looked at Eddie and I said, if this is the truth, what have we been believing all this time? But you see, it is the truth. It's not just a dream. It's not just something that somebody made up. It's not just, I wish it were this way. It is this way. And we've got to get ingrained in our spirits and our spiritual mind that what God is is so different many times than what is portrayed by, portrayed by other people to us. And even, you know, no matter if anybody taught us, we just think that way because the devil wants us to think that way. Okay, and it says he is full of compassion. And that is talking about he has mercy and he has love. He's slow to anger and of great mercy. Now I want you, he's compassionate, he's gracious, and he has great 
mercy, not just a little bit of mercy, but great mercy for his children. Amen. The Lord is good. What is, what is that next word? He is good to... He is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Do you know that God wants to be good to the sinner? Well, it says that he is good to all. And his tender mercies are over all his works. Even the enemies. God wants to be good to them. Amen? Now, I want you to take your Bible and I want you to turn to John 16 with me. And um, I'm going to start reading with verse number 7 out of the Amplified Bible. We're looking and studying about the Lord's compassion and understanding it is the Lord's will to heal. You see, some people say, well, I know He'll heal me if it be His will. Well, that is a lie that has been perpetrated by the devil himself to say that at the end of that prayer. I know God wants to heal me if it be thy will. Take off that last part, if it be thy will. I know the Lord will heal me. I would that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. You need to have soul prosperity. You need to be growing in the Lord so that you can have health and you can have all kinds of prosperity going on in your life. So it's God's will. So this tacking on at the end of it, if it be God's will, if it be thy will, See, and Eddie explained this, but I believe it bears repeating, that when Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, let this cut pass from me, if it be thy will. Nevertheless, I'll do it if you want me to, God. That's what Jesus said. And so because he said, if it be thy will, then we want to stick it, if it be thy will, on the, everything that we pray and everything that we ask God for. And it isn't that way. It's not an if it be thy will. Because if you read the scriptures and you read the New Testament when Jesus came, he healed all that were oppressed of the devil. And see, sickness and disease is an oppression of the devil. It can be in other realms, but sickness and disease is to press God's people down, to hold them down in bondage. Do you remember when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt and the Bible said that there was not one feeble one among them? You see, God provided for them that lamb that they took and ate and the blood that they put on the doorpost. That was the provision for them to come out and not be feeble and sickly. You can receive the communion, the bread and the cup for your health and your healing, and not be feeble and sickly and weak. you got to discern the Lord's body, don't you? And that I believe that is the literal body that we uh, are to consider, and then I think it is the body of Christ, our relating one to the other. And sometimes because we don't relate in the body and we're not discerning the Lord's body, then sickness and disease and those kinds of things come in upon us. But you know all it takes to get that turned around? Get those relationships right. Go to people and talk to them. Repent before God. Get things right. 
and then you discern the Lord's body. Isn't that great? And isn't it wonderful that it doesn't have to be a very complicated thing? doesn't have to be complicated, does it? Now, here he's saying he was everywhere moved with compassion in, in his earthly ministry, talking about Jesus, and he healed all them that had need of healing. It is this same Jesus who, after saying, it is expedient for you that I go away, is now seated at the right hand of God, that he might be a merciful, compassionate, and faithful high priest for us. Isn't that good? Now, I want to read from John 16 and verse number 7. However, I am telling you nothing but the truth when I say it is profitable, it is good, it is expedient and advantageous for you that I go away. This is Jesus talking. And he's talking about the time that he would ascend into heaven and no longer be upon this earth. And he said, it's going to be more advantageous for you that I'm gone than when I'm here. And this is why. Because if I do not go away, the comforter, the counselor, the helper, the advocate, the intercessor, the strengthener, and the standby will not come to you into close fellowship with you. But if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And when he comes, he will convict and convince the world and bring demonstration to it. I like to preach about that. When the Holy Spirit comes, he brings a demonstration. He demonstrates the power of God. He demonstrates the healing power of Jesus Christ. He demonstrates the delivering power of Jesus Christ. He demonstrates salvation, eternal life. He demonstrates. You see, it didn't say when the Holy Spirit comes that he's just going to talk a lot. It said he's going to demonstrate. He's going to have action. He's going to produce some results. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. He's going to bring a demonstration to it about sin and about righteousness. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes and He reproves the world, He tells them about sin, but He said, you don't have to live in sin. You can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You don't have to stay in sin. You can switch sides, bless God. You can have the great exchange. You can come out of darkness and you can be placed in the kingdom of His dear Son. And come into the kingdom of light. He brings a demonstration saying, don't live like that. Here's a place for you to live. You know what that sounds like? The children of Israel, when they were on those two mountains, they got on one side to represent the curse. They got on another side to represent the blessing. And God is saying, don't be cursed, but receive the blessing. Receive righteousness instead of sin. Uprightness of heart and right standing with God and about judgment, about sin, because they do not believe in me, trust in, rely on, and adhere to me. About righteousness, uprightness of heart and right standing with God, because I go to my Father and you will see me no longer. About judgment, because the ruler, evil genius, the prince of this world, Satan, is judged and condemned. See, we think, well, it's judgment on us. No, it's not talking about it. It's talking about the judgment of the devil. He's condemned. He's already lost. He's already been brought to a big zero. The Bible said he's been brought to naught. He's been judged and declared 
He's a failure. He lost. Now, he can try all kinds of things in our life, but when he tries to come against you and against me, he is a zero. And he can't do anything in our lives. He can't make us do anything unless we give in to it because he's been defeated. Amen. Now, listen to this. I'm going to skip down to verse number 13. But when he... The Spirit of Truth. You see, when the Holy Spirit's talked about, it's a He, not a It. You know, not spooky. You know, He's Him. He. But when He, the Spirit of Truth, the truth-giving Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth, the whole and full truth, for He will not speak His own message on His own authority. He's speaking the message of God, and he's giving the message with authority that comes from God himself. Now, I want to tell you something. When you get filled with the Holy Spirit, if you're like me, why is it that your eyes are like, and it's like, I didn't see that yesterday, now I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and today I see it. You know why? Because it's the Spirit of truth. And you know, one of the first things that I started seeing when I read the Bible after I was filled with the Holy Spirit, and those scriptures were going, dung, 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 you know, like lightning coming up out of my Bible. You know what they were? Miracles, signs, and wonders. And how many people were healed. And it's like, why are we not hearing this? But I'm telling you, you hear it by the Spirit. You hear by the Spirit when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. He begins to speak truthful things and lies and deception is opened up and you see it for what it really is. We don't need to condemn people that don't see what we see and haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't need to think less of them. We need to pray that God would open their eyes of understanding, that He would fill them with the Holy Spirit. And that same way that you and I got such wonderful revelation about the healing power of God and about the miracle working power of God and the deliverance of Jesus Christ, that same power, and the the people will be able to see it when they get filled with the Holy Spirit. It's truth. It's the truth. It's not a lie and it's not a deception. How many things I believed that were lies? Simply because I didn't have the power of the Holy Spirit at work in my life. If you're here tonight and you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, if you don't want to be filled for any other reason, that's enough right there to receive that truth-giving Spirit. Amen? People, I've seen people fight over their right to not believe portions of the Scripture. We were in a Bible study one time, and, and we were in there, and there were probably four or five other couples. And, you know, we were going along just fine. We'd had great fellowship, you know, and just loved getting together. And we'd go from our house to their house to another house, you know, and it, it was really good. We, we were growing. And then, you know, something happened. The truth giver came into my life. We got filled with the Holy Spirit, and we came in there with that revelation, and we we were so excited, on fire for God. And we started sharing about those truths. Well, I don't believe it really means that. I know it says that, but you don't understand this. 
And one of those fellas had gone to seminary. I won't tell you where he went, what kind of seminary he went to. But I'm telling you, it was the, it was the ugliest spirit. I mean, it was like against everything, critical of everybody. Ah, humbug. You know, I believe having fun in church, and I believe smiling and laughing and having a little bit of joy is all right. You get the Holy Ghost, you get joy. Unspeakable and full of glory. Well, he didn't understand that. And you know, it got to the point, Bridget, where it was just so unbearable that we had to get out of that Bible study. I don't know if they carried it on or not, but we just knew that God had closed that door. He had given us those relationships. We had done as much as we could, but they wouldn't hear, so we had to go somewhere else. And you know, there are times when you've got to go somewhere else. There are times when the people that you're associating with won't go where you're going. They won't receive that truth-giving spirit, the Holy Spirit, spirit of truth. They won't receive it. And so at that point, I don't think you have to fight. I don't think you have to, uh, you know, get in discord and disagreement. We didn't do that. We just said, well, you know, we're just going a different way than you guys. So it's been nice, but we got some things to do. (laughs) And we did. And we still do. Amen? And so it was the truth-giving spirit that came into us when we got filled with the Holy Spirit. The things that we believed that were wrong or just because of our ignorance or deception, whatever the case may be, those things got washed out and then things began to be ordered in our life. We began to see things that we had never seen before. And it's because of the Holy Spirit. And so when when the Holy Spirit comes into your life, we need to allow that truth-giving Spirit the opportunity to show us and convince us of God's Word that He is compassionate, He's full of tender mercy, and He's a gracious God. He cares about where we are, and He cares about what is going on in our life. Amen? Amen. In the Scriptures, compassion and mercy mean the same. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? I just told you that from Psalms 145 there. To have compassion is to love tenderly, to pity and to show mercy, to be full of eager yearning. I think that's an interesting word. God is eager to show compassion for you and me. He's eager to do that. He's looking for opportunities. He's hunting for opportunities to show tender mercy and compassion and to bestow favors upon His people. And that includes you and me, doesn't it? Now, God's greatest attribute is love. We're on page 71. Now, I'm going to read a few paragraphs here in the middle of the page. By showing His compassion everywhere in the healing of the sick, Jesus, now listen to this word, unveiled the compassionate heart of God to the people. You see, Jesus, if you you take, you know, a lot of times they're going to dedicate a statue or something, you know, somebody's done a great work or, you know, they want to show something that's happened in a certain area and so they have a statue or a memorial or something and they'll keep it covered until it's time to show it and to have the dedication. And it's 
you know, they keep that cloth on there and it's pulled off and it's unveiled for everybody to see. Well, when Jesus came upon the earth, he took the cover off and he showed and revealed to the world the compassionate nature of God. Can you say amen? So I like that word. He unveiled the compassionate heart of God to the people. Now see, not the religious people, but the common people. The people who needed mercy and needed compassion. That's who Jesus revealed the Father's heart to. You see, sometimes your religion will stand in the way of receiving the unveiling, you know, that, that the Spirit wants to give to our lives. The multitudes came to him for help. How insidiously Satan has worked to hide the glorious fact from the people. He has broadcasted the unscriptural, illogical, and worn-out statement that the age of miracles is past until he has almost succeeded in eclipsing the compassion of God from the eyes of the world. I'm going to tell you something. That is a damnable lie to stand and tell people, whether you use those words, but you, everything you say moves to that. That passed away with the disciples. Healing passed away with the disciples. Miracles are not for today. See, if you say that and you perpetrate that evilness, that's what it is to me. It's evil. Because it's telling people that God is an angry God. That He wants to have judgment upon His people. No, He wants to have mercy. And He wants to have compassion for His people. And I'm going to tell you, this is the age of miracles. This is the age of miracles, signs, and wonders. We are in the last of the last days. And God said, I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh. The nasty old sinners can get healed. And the people of God that have a covenant can be healed. I'm here to tell you, God wants to heal your body. Now I'm going to tell you something. Many times we're looking to pass failures. Maybe it's a failure in our own life. Maybe it's a failure in a family member's life. We want to look at that and we want to say, God, I know your word says this. God, I know the word says you're compassionate, you're loving and kind, but look at so-and-so. You cannot look at so-and-so. You've got to look into the book. And you've got to see where it is written. And that has to be where you get your strength from God. Not what happened to someone else. And all of us, we see it all around us. And we don't understand it. And see, that's the thing. We try to figure it out. But you're not going to know everything. I know that. I'm not going to know everything. I don't know why some things. I don't understand it. But I know this, God is the God of truth. And what He said in His Word, heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will stand forever. Amen? We look in, the, in the, the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we see Jesus going about everywhere, healing the multitudes, touching them, raising them up, having compassion upon them. Showing mercy to them. How do we think that Jesus, if He did the will of the Father, and that was the will of the Father then, then what do we think 
about now. He's still doing the same thing. He's no respecter of person. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. What we saw him doing in the Bible, in those Gospels, today and forever. He is the same. He's not a respecter of persons. He doesn't say, I'll heal you, but I won't heal you. We have a covenant with Almighty God. And it's a covenant of health, healing, soundness, and wholeness. And you know, when I pray, and I pray for me, my family, and other people in this church that I pray for, I pronounce health, healing, wholeness, and soundness over them. Wholeness. To be every whit whole. Not, you know, that you've had a physical problem and it caused... Uh, you know, there to, to be difficulty in your body, and now you, you got healed and you got over it, but you've still got some things left. No, I'm talking about wholeness. It's like the lepers when their, their fingers or their toes were gone. I'm talking about wholeness that would say the fingers come back and the toes come back. It's miracle healing, miracle wholeness and soundness. Amen. Modern theology magnifies the power of God more than it magnifies His compassion. But the Bible reverses this and magnifies His willingness to use His power more than it does the power itself. Now that's good. Not just talking about our God is a powerful God, but our God does powerful things. In no place does the Bible say that God is power, but it does say that God is love. It is not faith in God's power that secures His blessings. Now listen to this. But it is faith in His love and in His will. Now I'm going to tell you, the will of God is healing. By Jesus' stripes, you are healed. By Jesus' stripes, you were healed. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It is the will of God to heal you. Now, let me tell you what happens many times. And you can get caught up in this. I've gotten caught up in it before. Where you think, okay... Now, I've done something, and I brought this on my body, and if I would, you know, do this, and I would eat this way and eat that way, then, you know, things could change. Is that the truth? It is. You got a brain, and you know if you're doing things to abuse your body, so you can change that. But see, where the devil will hold you is in the realm of reasoning and in the natural realm, and he will say, okay, because you've done this, you don't deserve healing now. That's a lie. Yes, it is. You are a covenant child of God. And if you know to do some changing, change. Amen. You change what you can. But don't put your faith in your change. Put your faith in the love and compassion of God. That He wants to heal you. He wants to see you raised up. And see, we get into that realm where we think, well, I did this, you know, I've spent all these years doing this and doing that. Okay, and that's bad, and you need to change it when God starts speaking to you. But then know that God is the compassionate, caring God, and put your faith in Him. Now, if you abuse your body, knowingly abuse your body, and you just continue when the Holy Spirit is dealing with you, then you are going to have some issues. I'm not talking about presumption here. 
but I am talking about it's not in your ability. It's His compassion and His love that you need to put your faith there. Amen? Let's talk about page 72, God's love veiled by modern theology. The Lord is gracious, meaning He is disposed to show favors. This glorious fact, which shines with all brilliancy throughout the Scriptures, has been so eclipsed by modern theology that we hear everywhere, the Lord is able instead of the Lord is gracious. I know the Lord is able. I know He is able. But you see what... Uh, Brother Bosworth is trying to say here, it's not that we know He is able. We also, if we are truthful, know that He is willing. But we need to understand that it's not that He is just able, but He is gracious or He is compassionate. He is kind. He is disposed to show you favor. That is what He wants. If we can get that in our mind, if we can let the truth giver bring that into our hearts and our minds, it can change our whole outlook. It can change our whole life. It can change our whole ministry. It can change our whole church. Can you say amen? Amen. Hundreds needing healing have come or written to us saying concerning their need of deliverance, the Lord is... Able, their teachings as well as their lack of teaching have kept them from knowing that the Lord is willing. Now in Hosea 4, 6, it says, My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Now, who's he talking to? My children. That's the covenant children of God. My people. Those that have a covenant with me, they are destroyed. They're silenced and they're cut off. Cut off from what? Cut off from the favors and compassion and love that God wants to give, our, give us, His people. They're cut off from it. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And then he goes on to say, because thou hast rejected knowledge. See, some people get knowledge then they reject it. Well, I know it says that, but bless God, I believe this all my life, so. I I heard one person, this is no lie about the Holy Spirit, about the baptism, uh, and they were being shown out of the Scripture about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, and they just took the page, the last page that was being shown to them in their Bible and just ripped it out and said, my Bible doesn't say that. Now, you have to be pretty extreme and you have to be pretty deceived to think that if it's in... And see, I I don't believe in being gullible. You know, I don't believe in just everything everybody wants to say and preach that you just get a hold of it. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let everything be established. And so, if it's something from the Bible, it's not just going to be in that one place. You're going to see it over and over again. It's going to be established. So, I'm not talking about being gullible. But I'm talking about healing and the compassion and the mercy of God. And over and over and over again, how it's established in the book. And you can rip the pages out, but you know what? You have to rip them all out. Because it's over and over and over again. Amen? Now listen to this. The devil knows that God is able and he knows he is willing. But he has kept the people from knowing the latter fact. 
Isn't that the truth? How many people have you talked to since you got filled with the Holy Spirit, since you began to understand about the, the, the miracles of God, about the healing power of God, about the delivering power of God? Have you talked to them and they didn't know? How many people? Oh my, it's just a tremendous amount of people that the enemy has kept in the dark. Satan is willing that we should magnify the Lord's power because he knows that this is not a sufficient basis for faith, but that the Lord's compassion and willingness are. See, if, if the enemy can keep us from believing that it's God's will and that he does care and is concerned about where we are and what we're going through, he, he keeps us just where he wants us. Just out of the reach of the blessings of God. Just out of the reach of the answers that God wants to bring our way. And all the time, we're just thinking we're suffering for Jesus. No, we're not suffering for Jesus. We're suffering because of a lack of knowledge. Before praying for the healing of people, we have to wait to teach them the Word of God until they can say, the Lord is gracious instead of the Lord is willing. See, so you've got to teach people the Word of God. They've got to understand and see. And that's what we're doing these weeks that, that we're looking into this book. Amen? Let me see where I want to go here. I'm going to skip a bunch of stuff because I don't have a lot of time. I want to read at the end of page 73. It seems to me that God would rather have us doubt His ability than His willingness. Now, isn't that a shocking statement? If we just look at that, but let's read on. I would rather have a man who is in trouble say to me, Brother Bosworth, I know you would help me if you could, doubting my ability than to say, I know you can, but I have no confidence in your disposition to help me. Isn't that the truth? Just think about it. If Our God, if He can help and He won't help. Now that's bad, isn't it? But you see, He can help, He will help, and He does help, and He's told us, I am compassionate, I'm a caring God, I bestow favors upon my children. I have tender mercy that I show to my people and even to the world. Amen? When you talk about compassion, it means to suffer with another. Romans 12, 15 says, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with those who weep. You know, I really believe that and I believe as a local church, it is so important to do that. Rejoice with those who rejoice. See, it's, it's good to be happy with someone when they're receiving the blessings of the Lord, when great things are happening in our life. Instead of being jealous, we, we celebrate with them. We celebrate their blessings. You know what that'll do? That'll make way for your blessing to come. But you see people all the time, they're jealous. You know, a lot of times God will do things for me and I won't share it with certain people because I know what the response will be. And it's like, now this is too good. God's done too good for me, and I'm not sharing it with them. I'll find me somebody who will rejoice with me. 
You know what I'm talking about? It's like when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember when I was filled and, you know, I wanted to start telling people everywhere. And it didn't take me just a few people uh, that I shared with to see that they don't have a clue what I'm saying. And they don't want to hear what I have to say. And so I couldn't cast my pearls before swine. If you, <laughs> if you get my drift, I had to be careful, you know. And it says, weep with those who weep. You see, Jesus is compassionate. He suff when we suffer, He suffers with us. And that's the way the body of Christ, we're to, we're to have compassion and concern and mercy for other people that are going through tough and hard times. And you know, I, I see it all the time. And I'll see someone that's hurting. And I'll see someone get around them and, oh yeah, you know, be blessed. Yeah, I know you're going through a hard time. Next thing you know, boy, they're just you know, don't have, don't have compassion, don't have any wisdom, if nothing else. You need to weep with those who weep. Amen. We need to relate to other people and what they're going through. That's really the truth. And that, that's, that's the power of the gospel when we can do that. Be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus in that way, don't you? You remember... Jesus had compassion and he suffered with Mary and Martha. You remember when Lazarus had died and he had been put in the tomb and he wept. Jesus wept. He knew that Mary and Martha were going through a hard time and he was going through a hard time because Lazarus was someone he loved too. So we need to understand that, don't we? All right, let's turn to the next page. And... We can see uh, in Mark 1, 40 through 45, and we see a, a leper coming to Jesus and kneeling down. And he said, if thou wilt, thou can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said unto him, I will. See, right there, we get the will of God. He didn't go to the leper and say, Now, I remember when you did this, and you brought this on yourself. He showed compassion, and he said, I will heal you. It is my will to heal you. He was moved with compassion. He put forth his hand, touched him, and said, I will be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately... The leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed, and they came to him from every quarter. Now, I want you to look at that. When Jesus began to tell this man and that crowd what his will was, and instantly he was healed, and then everybody started coming in. God is not mad at me. He's compassionate. He loves me. He wants to heal my body. He wants to deliver my child from the powers of hell. You see, it went out, and it was published everywhere. And the compassion and the tender mercy of Jesus was seen. Amen. And I'm going to tell you today, if we do what the Bible says and we have compassion and we love people, we will pray for healing for them. And then they will come from every direction into our life. In Matthew 20, in verse number 29 on page 76, I'm just going to read this. And as they departed from Jericho, a great multitude followed him. 
And behold, two blind men sitting by the wayside, when they heard that Jesus passed by, cried out, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, thou son of David. And Jesus said, What will you that I should do unto you? And they said unto him, Lord, that our eyes be opened. So Jesus had compassion on them, and he touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. Now, if you read about this, from uh, just turn over there, which we're not going to do, and you read about that, you will see that they cried out. You know, everybody around them, no, you be quiet. Leave Jesus alone. He's been, you know, he's been preaching all day. He's got more things to do than, you know, to deal with you. And see, circumstances, people, situations come to drive us away from the mercy and compassion of God. And so we don't press on into the Lord to receive the healing and receive what, you know, what He wants to give us. And that's what those people were doing that day. Jesus doesn't have time for you. You know, he, He's a busy man. He's preaching. He's got to go uh, across the, you know, the, the river. He's got to go here. But they didn't let it stop them. They say, if you read that, it said that he cried out more. Those two men screamed at one point. Jesus, have mercy. And Jesus heard that cry. And you know what Jesus said? The Amplified, it says it this way. What do you want me to do for you? I'm going to ask you a question tonight. What do you want Jesus to do for you? See, if we understand... Jesus was passing by, there was a cry made out to him, and he said, okay, I hear it, I hear your cry. And see, Jesus hears us when we call. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things that you know not of, that are hidden from the common view, but I'll bring it into view for you. They're hidden from the world, but I'll give you what you're asking. Call unto me. And see, that's what they did. And Jesus immediately stopped. And when he stopped, he wasn't indignant. He wasn't upset. But he said, okay, what, do you not think that he could look at them and see that they had a problem with eyesight? No, he knew that. But he said, what is it that you want me to do for you? And they declared it. And Jesus did it. Amen. They received their sight. These blind men asked for the mercy of having their eyes open, and Jesus granted them the mercy of healing. I want you to think about that. The mercy of healing. When healing comes to you, it's by the mercy of God. It's by the compassion of God. It's by the graciousness of God that it's given to you. And so many times we want to think it's what we earn. If I do this and I do that, no, it's because He cares so much about you. It's because He's so compassionate and loving towards you, just like we are to our children, just multiplied so much more. I mean, my children, I want to do anything I can for them. I, you know, if they're having troubles or they're going uh, through difficulty, I want to help them. No, I don't have time for you. Now, that's not a very loving parent, is it? Well, God wouldn't be very loving to do that to us either. When we're going through our hard times, He is merciful. So here Jesus granted them the mercy of healing, proving that healing is a mercy as well as forgiveness. 
God forgives us for our sin because of His mercy. And He heals our bodies because of His mercy. Can you say amen? amen. God is the Father of mercy. And He tells us, I'm not going to get into that. Uh, he tells us about his compassion, about the, about the man found in Mark 5, 19 through 20 that was in the tombs, who lived among the tombs, who had lost his mind, who didn't wear clothes, who cut and mutilated his body, and Jesus had compassion upon that man. You see, sometimes we see people and they're such a mess, we want to think, well, I don't, you know, I just think it's, we might as well give up. This is a lost cause. No, not when the compassion and the mercy of God is revealed. And do you know who the compassion and the mercy of God is going to be revealed through? God's people. I remember there was a time, and I hadn't thought about this in a long, long time until I was going through this lesson, and I saw... what had happened many years ago in my own mind, it was recalled. And I remember, and you all, you know, you all know I've told you about the story of a, how Eddie and I worked with a youth group, and there's Valerie tonight sitting here. She was a part of that. And I can remember, and you probably remember this, but we were in our little Bible study, and we were in a circle, and... Um, the pastor had told us that he was going to bring a young man in that night and that um, he just had demon problems. Well, we didn't know a lot about demons, but we did love and have compassion. And we knew that, and we had seen in the Word of God that God delivered just like this man that was in the tombs destroying his own life. And we saw what Jesus did in cases like that, so... We thought, well, this young boy, God can do the same thing for him. We don't know much about it, but we believe that God can do it. And so that pastor brought that young boy in that night. I think he was around 16 or 17, something like that. And I, I don't mind to tell you when the door opened and the pastor came in, and it was the pastor, the boy's mother, and him, and they had, were carrying him in. I mean, and when I looked at him, I thought of the madman of Gadara because he had paint all over his clothes, all over his body, in his hair. I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I never had. And so I don't mind to tell you that my mouth dropped open. And he came in that night, and they literally had to carry him in because he was so high and so messed up. And we, we took him, the, the three of us, the pastor, Eddie, and myself, and we took him in a little room that was off of where we were having that Bible study with the youth that night. And we went in there, and I don't think any of us knew what we were doing, but we knew that Jesus was a good God. And we knew that God loved that boy. And we knew that that was not the will of God for him to live his life that way. So we went in that room that night and closed the door. And so we started singing about the blood. 
We started singing about the blood. And we started singing about the blood. And we started singing about the blood. Oh, the blood of Jesus. And I'm telling you, the boy began to writhe in the floor like a snake. And in a few minutes, and we kept singing, in the name of Jesus, you come out of him. We, I don't know how we knew to do that. We'd never been around anything like that, but we knew to do the name of Jesus is above every name, above the name of the devil that torments. And we just kept singing about the blood. And in a few minutes, that boy was down in the floor and he looked up at us and he said, can't you sing about will the circle be unbroken? Think about it. Every time I hear that song, <laughs> think about it. Is that, now, that song is not a bad or evil song, Will the Circle Be Unbroken? It's talking about wanting all your loved ones to go to heaven, so that's not bad. But the thing I'm, I'm saying here tonight, that devil that had that boy bound didn't want us singing about the blood because there's power in the blood of Jesus. You know why there's power in the blood of Jesus? Because Jesus was so compassionate and so caring and so loving and so merciful that he laid down his life at Calvary. Even all the suffering and everything he had to go through. And he did it anyway. And it's that blood that he shed that is powerful. That exemplifies, it demonstrates God's love for people. And so I want to tell you, even though it may look like people are living in the tombs like this man, God's compassion and his care can heal them and can raise them up and set them on the right footing. Now see, this man, if you read on about that, and I don't have time to do it, but if you read on about it, he has a testimony. And he goes around all that region and he declares, Jesus delivered me. He healed me. It was a miracle. I'm the one that was living in the tombs. I'm the one who had mutilated my own body. I am the one that everybody pushed me out into the tombs and wouldn't have anything to do with me. I'm the one. And Jesus is compassionate. He had mercy on my soul and he delivered me. Now see, I'm going to tell you something tonight. You have a testimony of God's compassion if you'll just think about it, there's numbers of you in this place tonight. And you can declare it could be in all different areas, but what we're talking about tonight is healing. And you have a testimony of healing. As you go about like this man, and you declare God's healing power in your life, do you know that people can be drawn unto the Lord? I believe, and Bosworth even said, says this somewhere in this chapter, and he talks about how that you can preach salvation and get a few people saved, but you pray for the sick and a lot more people come to the Lord because they see His compassion and His love and His mercy, and they want Jesus, and they want what Jesus can do. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Pastor Nora King. If you'd like to contact us, you can visit us online at redemptionchurch.com. We'll see you back here next week for another powerful message from Pastor Nora.